Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Joe Cook, joined by Justin Wells. We got another edition of Questions Answered here on On Texas Football. It's game week. We can finally talk about real live games that are about to happen. We will do what we always do and select Texas against the spread. But first, we got nine questions to get through and go through. So, Justin, going to give it to you right off the bat. Rice Owls are coming to town. What's an area you think Rice can give Texas some problems? JT Daniels didn't forget how to play quarterback. He was one of the best top-rated quarterbacks in the country when he came out. You know, freshman at U.S., started as a freshman at USC. This offense actually suits his style, his, his play. There's a lot of similarities there to what he ran in high school. And so if Rice can give trip Texas up a little bit, JT Daniels can get pretty accurate. And if he tests those corners, especially if the young ones come on the field when the young secondary comes out, I wouldn't be surprised if JT gets behind a couple of those guys. Yeah, nothing's changed about JT Daniels' arm talent. Remember, he was thrust into a rough situation at USC as a super early enrollee, um, arrived a year early after Sam Darnold. There's some problems with that staff and that team under Clay Helton, and kind of the bottom had fallen out at that point. Goes to Georgia, does well, gets hurt, and Stetson Bennett takes the job, doesn't give it up, and a lot of infrastructure problems at West Virginia and Graham Harrell's offense under Neil Brown. So – um, he's looking for his fourth chance. Uh, this is his best, last and best opportunity, or maybe last opportunity. He's got some weapons, Luke McCafferty, first and foremost, and that's probably going to be his top target. Yeah. Uh, but it, he's he's probably the best player on that team, at least as far as talent goes, and he's going to do what he can to to lift that team. And I like what you said about the second string secondary. You know, that's when he's going to try to make some moves, throwing the ball down the field, because I don't think they're going to be able to gain much anywhere else. Steve Sarkeesian spoke today on Thursday, a little bit earlier this afternoon about, you know, just recapping the week and getting ready one last time for uh, the upcoming game versus Rice. There's been a lot of attention focusing on the backup quarterback, whether it be Malik Murphy, Arch Manning. Sark said on Thursday that he would, uh, the staff would make a determination. And when asked about it today, he said, we'll find out. So what do you make of that? Uh, that's kind of been the ongoing battle with Quinn Ewers having been named the starter. I, I, I think Sark is sly, and I think Sark wants the backup quarterback to come out organically. I, I, I don't think he wants any reports. I don't think he wants any sources added. I think he wants it to happen on Saturday. And Saturday is, you know what, Joe? I don't know if Saturday is going to tell us who the true backup is because if Texas gets a big enough lead, you may see two more quarterbacks. You know, Quinn Ewers gets that first series in the third quarter. Then you might see Arch and Malik. Personally, I think Arch Manning is the backup quarterback for the Texas Longhorns this season going into week one. I think he beat out Malik in the fall camp after Malik had probably had a better spring. But we're not going to know that yet. And we know for a fact Sark is not going to tell us. Yeah, there, there's one thing between, uh, you know, who takes the second snaps, I guess. And uh, there's a big difference between that and, okay, something happened to Quinn. Quinn right. got a targeting penalty somehow. Yeah. Who has Alice to play Turner this half returned. in the next? Yeah, who who has to play this half in the next half? Yeah. I think there's a big difference between those situations. And uh, I think there's a backup for one and a backup for the other. 
Uh, this weekend, we're going to see the debut of C.J. Baxter, who we've been talking about a lot at Inside Texas, but we're going to see a lot of Jonathan Brooks. Uh, both, I, I guess that you can have a 1A and 1B at this juncture. That's what you've got. So what do you want to see from the running backs this upcoming weekend? Yes. Uh, hit the hole. You know, <laughs> and I know that sounds pretty basic, but really, like, you know, these two kids are really competitive. Brooks and, and Brooks and, and, and Baxter, you know, B and B, these two are, are, are highly competitive kids and they're and they're both different style running backs. So you're going to see different things from both of them. I think where Brooks is a more patient vision based kind of guy, Baxter's more of a hit the hole, pick up the pass protection type of guy. They both add a lot of good things. But I think what you what I want to see is I want to see Cedric Baxter run without thought. I want to see him running just instinctively. I want to see what it looks like because there's a good chance he's going to get more carries than Brooks in Tuscaloosa on the next Saturday if he you know winds up being the starter. But it is a 1A, 1B kind of situation, Joe. What do you think? Because I, I really do think it, you're, we're just going to see an aggregate of both of them for the majority of the year. Yeah, I, I, unless C.J. Baxter just becomes something that you know, way better than any freshman running back we've seen. And Steve Sarkeesian also has to unleash him too. And we've seen under both Mac Brown and I guess Tom Herman that you'd have a generational back as a freshman that they were careful with, too careful with. Steve Sarkeesian doesn't seem to have that problem because he wouldn't play him in the first place if he didn't have trust in him. Yeah. Um, he's He's got to be able to run behind zone schemes. We know Jonathan Brooks can do that. He's got to be able to pass block. And both those guys are a little bit of a relative unknown in that area. Just Baxter, for reports, never... Baxter's actually probably the best in that room at doing that. Right. So, but we got to see it in game. So, right. I think what we're going to see from the running backs is, you know, a little bit of each guy. Um, I think everybody want, is anticipating a Baxter standout uh, performance more than they are with Brooks. But Brooks is going to provide a solid play and is, I think, going to do pretty well on Saturday. And even Steve Sarkeesian said, ask me Monday, because that's when I'll know more. Yeah. Steve Sarkeesian also mentioned that DJ Campbell will be the starter at right guard. Texas had five starters coming back on the offensive line. First time in 30 years they've been able to say something like that. Uh, and it seems like four of those five are going to return to their spot, and DJ Campbell is going to unseat, at least in the starting lineup, going to take over for Cole Hudson. Both are going to play. What do you make of DJ? And obviously that in, entails that he's made a lot of development since arriving on campus last year. Uh, I think DJ Campbell, now granted, you know, Cole Hudson being out of the spring, I think gave DJ the, 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 the advantage to take that spot, to, to put himself in a position to take that spot. <clears throat> And if you watch DJ in high school, I mean, he was one of the top rated guards in the nation and he was just so physical and strong and violent. He is easily the, probably the meanest of the offensive linemen on, on the Texas roster. Him going in and taking that job is big because a motivated DJ Campbell, a focused, responsible, healthy DJ Campbell is going to be one of the top interior offensive linemen in the big 12 this year. That's how good he is. We, we saw flashes last year. He came in this year and took that spot. He has so much upside. If anything, he's the smallest of the whole group. I know he's listed at, at 6'3". He might be 6'2", 6'2 and a half. But I think it's DJ going in and taking the spot. That being said, 
I can see a, 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 a situation where Cole Hudson logs as many snaps at right guard in this game as, as DJ does. I could also see Cole Hudson playing some center and some left guard in this game. We're going to see a lot of these offensive linemen against Rice in different rotations. But DJ Campbell nailing down that starting job, we kind of thought it would happen. And after practice reports this this fall, that seems to be the indication. Yeah, and, and I think another consideration is even if it is neck and neck uh, between Campbell and Hudson, it's going to be 130 on the field. And you <laughs> like playing all five guys at the same time and getting them as many reps as possible. Yep. But they rotated last year, and they're going to have to rotate again. And it's, uh, Kyle Flood – spoke about earlier in the offseason. I think he feels like he has eight that he can rely on. They're going to use those eight because they need those eight to be fresh for the upcoming week. The coaches are thinking about that. They may not be saying it to the players, but they're definitely thinking about that. Which freshman from the class of 2023 do you think has the best game this upcoming weekend? That's the hardest question of this group because (laughs) – I'm going to go on the defensive side and that's, and, and watch Cedric Baxter go for 200 yards or something. Um, I'm telling you, Anthony Hill, Anthony Hill smells the ball. He's like a dog. He picks up the scent from the other side of the field and he, and, and, and he's there in seconds and it's instinctive and it's natural. And he's still 235 pounds as an 18 year old coming off the edge. He's going to play multiple positions. So he's going to be in a position to make the most plays against Rice, in my opinion. I don't know. We're going to see Manny Muhammad. We're going to see DeAndre Moore and Jontae Cook and C.J. Baxter. But I think if Baxter doesn't just go off against that Rice front, Anthony Hill's going to have the most opportunities, I think, to flash. Maybe get a sack, maybe force a turnover, You know, make a big play in the backfield. That's a great question. What about you? I'm going to go Manny Muhammad because I think this is going to – and the, the way that that's going to take place is if Texas wins the first two possessions. If it's up – if Texas goes up 14-0 or 14-3, something like that, Rice is going to realize they got to get off schedule. They can't run yeah. brawn ball, um, and that means <laughs> that uh, they're going to start airing it out. That's also about the time Pete Kwiatkowski starts rotating in some of the second-string guys, even without the – factor of the weather right that's when Manny Muhammad's going to come in and I think he's going to get tested and I think he's going to be able to make some plays um also in the run game uh, I want to see him do that the coaches seem to be a little bit surprised by the fact that he's done that uh a little bit more than they anticipated him being able to do at this stage in his career uh, but I want to see that so I think we're both on the same page on defense just because you know the opportunities on offense for more for Cook may not be as plenty as the ones on defense exactly um let's see that's the freshman let's bounce it to recruiting real quick got two questions both related to the state of louisiana texas is after five-star defensive lineman dominic mckinley been a pretty tough recruitment to read quiet kid um he announces tomorrow at 3 30 at acadiana high school his team's taken on lafayette christian academy home of melvin hills of current texas commit What's the latest you have on this McKinley recruitment and uh, which direction do you think it it ends up going uh, come Friday? I've been a little surprised at how much attention it's got over the last week. And maybe I'm naive. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice 
the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. But it really has taken over our board, not just our board, other boards. And I guess with it, when you're the number one player in Louisiana, you're a highly touted defensive lineman, 6'5", 280 pounds. Like maybe that's I, – I, maybe I should have expected that. It's been big on Bengal Tiger and Sooner Scoop. Like that's where it's been – picking up a lot of different steam. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, I've had, I I don't know, I've probably been asked 400 times how confident I feel about my McKinley RPM. And and I tell them all the same thing. Listen, Texas is throwing hands in this thing. This is going to be a tough battle. This was going to be a white knuckle type of fight, but Oklahoma and Texas A&M have closed the gap. They have made this a three-way race. And what happens in the next 24 hours is going to determine who wins this recruitment. And right now, I think it, it, you, you'd have to give each piece a third because AM came in real. I mean, <laughs> AM didn't write about him for months until last week. And then they brought him back. And it's like, okay, well, maybe they're more involved. Todd Bates in Oklahoma have done a great job. If, if Ohio State was closer, Larry Johnson, the D-line coach for the Buckeyes, that's probably the pick, Joe. What's telling to me is that LSU is lagging in it. And that, to me, is the is a big indicator of, of kind of what's going on in that state right now. But I, at the end of the day, we're 24 hours from the announcement, Joe, and I feel like it's a three-way battle. Texas is in it. They, they're making daily contact, but so is Oklahoma. So is Texas A&M. And expect to see all those D-line coaches in Lafayette tomorrow night. See, that's, that's the most fascinating aspect about this to me, is that because it's the season, it's the evaluation period, coaches can be on the road – you could have Todd Bates, and you can have Elijah Robinson, and you can have Bo Davis and Larry Johnson, and uh, the name of the current LSU defensive line coach is escaping me right now. I don't know if they can be all in the gym, but they can all be at that game in the aftermath of the commitment, uh, on the sidelines watching, and and that's that's I. I I think we're going on three is going to have somebody there. I think yeah. Sam Spiegelman will be Sam there. Will be I there. can't wait to read what he reports about it. Cause that's going to be quite the scene. Um, and and you, don't forget, that's one of your favorite things in our job. Whatever happens, the hat show, whatever happens, embrace the chaos. Exactly. <laughs> Moving on to something that uh, maybe a little bit more uh, optimistic for the Longhorns. Maybe not. Wardell Mack, a Florida commit, is making his way to the 40 yep. Acres this upcoming weekend. Uh, he chose the Gators over LSU and Texas, I believe. Yes. Uh, had a longstanding relationship with Terry Joseph. 
still making his way to the 40 acres even after a commitment. Of course, Florida is on the road tonight in Utah playing the Utes, so can't go visit the Swamp when the coaches aren't there. He's going to make his way to Texas instead. What do you think uh, that says about this recruitment? I'll tell you this. He scheduled the visit only days after committing. To me, that's that's pretty close. That's pretty close. I think Mac is convinced he can play it in Gainesville and be happy. I think he knows he's found a spot that at the end of the day, when signing day comes, I can be happy because there's a lot of Louisiana flavor in that on that Florida staff. You know, notably like Corey Raymond and those guys. So there's a lot of familiarity there with Wardell Mack. The fact he scheduled it days after committing to Florida shows you Texas is in it closer than I think people anticipated. Wardell was always going to announce before the season. His family wanted him to get this decision out of the way before he started his senior season so we could enjoy that and, and not have to deal with it. But he's still going to be dealing with it. His recruiting process is not over. He's a numbers buster. No matter what happens in this cycle, Texas would take him for good reason. He's one of the best corners in the country. I like that he's going to be on campus. I kind of wish it was in two weeks when they're hosting Wyoming, potentially coming off of an Alabama win, which is going to be a big recruiting weekend in Austin, September 16th. But you get him how you can get him. He'll be on campus for the Rice game. Just keep him in the shade. Make sure he's got lots of ice water. Keep him cool. Because he's used to that heat down in, 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 in Marrero, off the, the West Bank in New Orleans. He's used to that humidity. Just keep him cool and remind him Austin's a lot closer than Gainesville. That's true. That's true. And I think uh, Louis Armstrong Airport has directs to Austin. Don't know about Gainesville. Got to go through the Orlando Airport for that. Either way, uh, position and need, that's a guy who fits a corner uh, profile. He could also be a nickel. And you always like yes. finding guys within that pipeline because it's not the easiest spot to profile for. Um, a little bit easier than it used to be, I think, in previous Texas defenses, but it still asks a lot. You need quality players like Jade Barron, um, Austin Jordan, Jalen Gilbo to be able to do it. And Texas wants Mac to be the next one on that one. We'll go back to the field. We'll do a little bit of over-under, uh, looking at some statistics. Quinn Ewers, I'm setting the over-under on passing yards, not touchdowns, not attempts, not completions, over-under on passing yards at 250. Over. It's going to be over. And, and that's – you would just assume that because, you know, Rice is, is not as strong as an opponent. But I, I don't think Texas is going to try to torch Rice. I think there's going to be a, 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 a smart balance of run and pass – so I don't know if Quinn's going to have more than like three quarters to get to that point, but I'm counting two big plays in the passing game. If he gets two big plays, two explosive plays in the passing game, he'll go over the 250 mark. You know, I was going to say under until you gave your answer. I I agree. I think I I, I'm, I was even factoring in for two big plays, uh, but I also think that just looking at the shape of the offense, they're going to trust him a little bit more. They're going to let him probably try to get into a rhythm ahead of heading to a pretty tough place to play football next week. Yeah. Um, and I can definitely see him hitting that 250 mark. I don't think he'll touch 300 and he may not touch 275, uh, but I can definitely see him getting to 250. Got one more over under for you. Xavier Worthy, 125 receiving yards, over or under? Under. Under. I, 
Worthy's going to go off at some point this year. You know that. I know that. The world knows that. Brett Yormark even knows that. But it, we're going to see so much of a balance on Saturday. Yeah, Worthy's going to get his targets, but Adnan Mitchell, it, it, it could be in that prop bet. Jonte Cook, when they come in in, in that rotation, don't think he doesn't have a big play in him. He could hit that. Jordan Whittington. He, you know, he's one of those guys that chunks yards, you know, five here, nine here, 12 here. Let him make a big play. He could potentially do that. Um, I don't see that. I don't think any receiver against Texas in this week is going to go over that mark because I think it's going to be so spread out. I think so, too. I think they'll call off the dogs a little bit. He may get a 70-yard touchdown. He may get, you know, a couple more receptions. We know that opposing defenses are going to be factoring him in and, Quinn Ewers let it slip a little bit that they run some middle-of-the-field closed coverage, which typically cover one, cover three, sometimes man. That makes me think that he may have an opportunity. And then after that, he's going to take advantage of that opportunity. Rice is going to pivot a little bit into something a little safer. So, all right, it's back. We're picking against the spread. Can't remember. Oh, yeah, you won last year. That's right. Okay. Uh, So we are back to picking against the spread. Texas, by most books and by the book we're going to use, 35-and-a-half-point favorite. So five touchdowns in the hook. Do you see them covering the spread of 35-and-a-half? There's a lot of energy in that facility right now, Joe. A lot of anxious energy, but a lot of confidence in energy. I think Sark wants to rip the cover off the ball. I really do but I don't think he wants to show Alabama anything. That being said, I'm going with the over, and only because I, I think Rice is going to have a hard time scoring. I really do. They had lost some receivers in the offseason for myriad of reasons, and they do have some talented guys, obviously, that, that don't nat, nat, naturally match up. I, I, I think they're going to clear the over. But I think it's going to be barely. So they win by more than thirty-five. Yeah, I got. Yeah, I got them. I've got them winning by more, but barely. But barely yeah. because they're not going to show anything that we're going to see next Saturday at Bryant Denny. I think Rice has improved. I think Texas has improved more. I think Rice is also going to save some of their. You know, they're they're stepping up in conference. They're going to conference USA yeah. to be American. And while the Americans lost some of their preeminent programs, it's still the place where there's a lot of quality put football and kind of a laboratory for coaches um it's like going to be tough they have houston in a rivalry game upcoming after that before they that's get a, a big game for those guys you're a houston guy you know that especially for rice before they get a little bit of a breather in texas southern so i think it's going to end up being texas can push push the pedal on the gas Probably win by more than uh, 35 and a half. I, I would see 40 point win being likely. So, yeah. all right, Justin, come Saturday, it'll be football time. I'll be in the air conditioned press box. You'll be in Tyler soaking it all up, and it's going to be a great time. Make sure you stick with on Texas football from now until during the game, until before the game, till after the game, till the day after the game, and leading up to the Alabama game next week. Check out Inside Texas. You can get 50% off an annual subscription, or you can try us out for one month for only a dollar. Thank you to our producer, Matthew Hutchinson, and our fill-in producer today, Bobby Burton. For Justin Wells, I'm Joe Cook. We'll see you next time on On Texas Football.